In September, we added a new member to our staff team, a guy called Richard Clements. And Richard does a number of things for us. He oversees all of our work in the community. He also is involved in the pastoral team, working particularly with Tim Green, and serves many of us in the church fantastically. I just want to commend this man to you. This, this, this man uh, has, has brought such strength and leadership uh, in all that we're trying to do. And uh, he is a, an amazing blessing to us. And uh, I'm thrilled that he's going to be bringing God's word to us. So will you please put your hands together for Richard Clements? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Martin. That's really nice of you. Okay, guys, I just want to open in prayer. I'm obviously Richard Clements, for those guys who don't know me. Um, I just want to just open in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to come, because actually we need the Holy Spirit to bring life, to really get into our heart, and that's what this is going to be about. So, Father in heaven, we just thank you. We just thank you that we're able to meet, we're able to worship together. Thank you for the words you've already brought. They've already started working in our hearts. Holy Spirit, just bring life Bring life to the words that I speak this morning. Father, may I be a very small part of the big picture of the work you're doing in people's lives here this morning. Father, may things be rooted out that have been there for a long, long time. May we be able to move in our relationship forward in you, like Father, because you want a relationship which is honest and true and, and really open, Father. And that's what this is about today. It's about us opening our hearts up to you and saying, Father, just break in. Holy Spirit, break in. Jesus, speak to us, I pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've been looking on the subject of prayer. I found it really useful, and I'm sure you guys have as well. And, and what we're going to do today is we're going to highlight, we're going to like a spotlight on one aspect of the Lord's Prayer, which is forgive us my sins as I forgive others who sin against me. So we're going to be looking at that. So we're going to look at repentance this morning. And we're going to be taking it from Psalm 51, which is a psalm of a David is, is convicted by God of his sin. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to bring this right up to date because you know what? I've been a Christian since I was 18 years old and I'm now 57. And God is still, still revealing unforgiveness in my own life towards people. So we had a house a community group this week, uh, t- sorry, two weeks ago, and it was about forgiveness. And it was a really powerful evening. We watched a DVD and the Holy Spirit was really in that room. And as the evening went on, I felt God put his finger on my heart for something that happened when I was back eight years old. I'm 57 now. That's how, God, how much God cares about us. He cares about, and we heard it actually brought here. I think Sharon brought something about things from the past. And God wants to get that stuff out because he wants a relationship with us, which has no holes barred, all of us, everything. So while this, while this evening was going on, God said to me that I needed to forgive my mother. And what happened, the story behind this was that at the age of eight years old, my mum put me into boarding school, and I hated boarding school. And as I've got older and older, I've always questioned, and I've brought my own children up, and I've always thought, why, why would a mother do that to her son? And I really struggled with it, and it's so intensified and intensified. And at this evening, that particular evening, God said, I want you to forgive your mother. And it was really powerful, and I did. I, from right down deep in my soul, I forgave my mother for, for what, what happened. Because I know that actually what she did, she did for all the right reasons. But as a young child, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. 
The outworking of that, and when I just say, when I did that, I felt God's peace come on me. I knew that actually God was going to restore that relationship with my mother, which had slightly deteriorated, but not massively, but it had deteriorated. The outworking of it is on Friday evening, my mum lives in Greece. On Friday evening, I Skyped my mum, and we had a three-quarter of an hour chat where I explained what I'd felt, and I apologised to her for those feelings. And she explained to me why she did what she did. And I tell you what, restoration came right there. And that's been held deep in my heart since I was eight years old, guys. And God wants to clear all that stuff out. And the incredible thing was, not only did he bring that up, but as I was talking to my mum, he reminded me of something else that I'd done when I was 10 years old, where I deceived my mum over some money. <laughs> and it's, it sounds crazy, but you know what? That's played on my mind because my mum is... Rel- I've heard her relate that story to how I bought her a present and how she'd been so pleased with it. But what she didn't know is some of that money wasn't mine. <laughs> so, but God put his finger on that. And I was, as I was on the phone, on the phone to my mum, he put the Holy Spirit, spoke to me and said, you need to confess that to your mother. And I ended up saying, Mum, you may think this is a bit stupid, but I need to tell you about this because I did you a wrong way, way, way back. And we had a laugh and a giggle about it, and it was really good. But I tell you what, there was real restoration. And I just say that my mum knows I'm going to talk about this. I'm not talking behind her back here. And she gave me permission to talk about it. So, so what I'm saying, guys, is there is restoration for anything, anything from the past. God wants to get it out. He wants us to be renewed and restored and be the people that he wants us to be without being held back at all. So, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to be looking at Psalm 51, which is a a prayer of repentance by King David. And it's really powerful, guys, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to bring stuff up. That's why we're talking, that's why we're doing the whole prayer series. It's going to bring stuff up, um, but it's bring God brings stuff up for the right reasons, for the good reasons, to restore us and make us new. Okay, so I just want to look over. Okay, today, so we're looking at Psalm 51, prayer of repentance. It comes from 2 Samuel, chapter 11. And I'm going to give you the backdrop for, you, for those of you that don't know the story. So, King David, who was a king of Israel a few thousand years ago now. And what's beautiful about that is you know that story is still relevant today, even though it's well old, but it's been restored, it's been kept by the Father, through the Bible, so that we can learn from it. So King David is walking around on the top of his palace, and he's looking around. And over on one of the top of the rooftops, he sees a lady bathing. And he sends a message out to find out who that lady was. Now David was a married man. He had lots of wives, um, but that wasn't good enough for him. He decided that he wanted Bathsheba. So he made some inquiries. Who is that lady over there? And he found out that she was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, Uriah the Hittite was an amazing, courageous man, and he was actually out fighting a battle for David against the Amorites at the time when David was looking at his wife. And um, David made some inquiries and had Bathsheba brought to him. Bathsheba came along, and the two of them slept together, and Bathsheba, Bathsheba became pregnant with King David's child. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, committing adultery, and also against one of your loyal soldiers as well, That wasn't good enough. He then arranged for Uriah the Hittite to be brought off the battlefield to come and to spend time at the palace. And the idea that David had was that Bathsheba, sorry, that Uriah would have the opportunity to go home to sleep with his wife. Then he would think that the child that Bathsheba 
had in her womb was his. Deceit, right there. So we've got adultery, now we've got deceit and deception. But Uriah was a top guy, and he was like, I'm not going to go back to my wife when all my colleagues are out there fighting the Amorites. I'm staying here, because why should I be sleeping in a nice bed when my mates are getting a fight in the Amorites? So he refused to go back to his house. So David then thought, oh, now I've got another problem now, so I'm going to have to get him killed. That's it. Now we're talking about murder. So he's gone from adultery to deception and murder. You can just see he's spiralling out of control. So he arranges for Uriah the Hittite to be placed at the front of the battlefield so that he will be killed. And that's exactly what happened. Poor old Uriah was killed. The the other soldiers withdrew from him, as they'd been told to do, and he was there fighting the Amorites on his own. Dead. Terrible, isn't it? Isn't that awful? So, what can we learn from that? Well, what happened as a result of this is God sent, God was obviously not happy. All these things have happened. He was not happy. And he sent Nathan, his prophet, to speak directly to David. And as a result of that conversation, David realized that he'd committed a terrible sin. And he was struck that he needed to do something about it. And Psalm 51 is the prayer that he sends up to God for asking for forgiveness. And I'm going to read it out to you. It will come up on the screen above me. What I want you to do is when I read this out, I want you to just maybe close your eyes and really listen to the words. Because this prayer comes right from the heart of a man who is totally repentant, who realises that he's done something that is horrendous. And he is scared because his relationship with God, he thinks, is in serious trouble. All right? So it goes something like this. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again, You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer you one. 
You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Some prayer, isn't it, guys? Can you feel the emotion in that? Can you feel the regrets that this man has? He's scared that God is going to turn his back on him. So, are we so different to King David? Are we without sin? Have we lived perfect lives? I know I haven't. Against a perfect God, how do we stack up? Not so well, I would suggest. So today we're going to look at this prayer and see what we can learn from this really sad story. Okay, so what is sin? The Bible declares that sin is doing something wrong that goes against the law of God. That's in 1 John. And rebellion against God, which is in Deuteronomy. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. That's what we believe. That result of their rebellion against God, when they decided that they were going to go their own way, they sinned. And as a result of that, sin entered the world. And it's through our DNA. We are all born sinners. And David knew this. He said, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. You see, we all suffer from this illness of sin in our lives. And we need saving. When we pray an honest prayer like David did, and that's what we want to learn. We want to learn to pray like David prayed. An honest prayer, confessing our sins. Our sins are wrongdoings. Those things that we've done which are wrong. And having a heart that says we acknowledge that what we've done is wrong in the light of a holy God. That's what we're, that's what we're up against. Here we are and here we have a holy God. How do we stack up? So David understood something of God's character. And that's what we need to do as well. He calls on God's characters and he says, have mercy on me because of your unfailing love. We heard about it this morning, haven't we? God's love for us never fails. His unfailing love, because of your great compassion. He quotes God's statement about himself that he made in Exodus 34 verse 6 where God passed before Moses and describes himself and he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. That's our God, guys. That is the God that we follow. It's incredible. He is gracious, full of grace. That's what he means, full of grace, compassionate and full of love and faithfulness. That's the God we follow. And he is wonderful. We have a God who is not like us, thankfully. His love never fails. He never gives up on us, even though sometimes we find it difficult to follow him. He never falls out of love with us. He never turns his back on us. That story I've brought about, you know, what happened in my childhood, just shows, it just shows how much he cares about us. Eight years old, and still he's working on me because he loves me. And because he cares for me. And it's the same for each and every one of you here. 
God loves you right here. He loves you so much. You're right in his heart. He cares about everything that's happened to you and what is going to happen to you in your lives. He is amazing. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Or in other words, he washes us completely clean. Every mark and stain is removed. It is as if the event never took place. Yes, it's true. We can start all over, all over again. The mistakes from the past can be put away for good. Whatever we've done. And it's incredible because that was brought up again, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit is so on this. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, thank you, Brian, as well, for what you've brought. It's so amazing. David was a murderer, an adulterer, a deceiver, and yet God forgave him. And God can forgive us as well if we come with a true and honest heart like David did before the Father. So what is confession? Confession is agreeing with God about how bad our sin is. And repentance is changing our mind and turning away from our sin. It's really important that we bring sin into the light because Satan loses his power when we do this. And David knew that he'd sinned. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. So when we do that, when we bring that before the Father, Satan loses his power. So my, my relationship with my mother is restored now. It is. I can, I can see the difference already. When I chatted to her and the way my heart responded to her, Satan has lost his power. He would want to destroy my relationship with my mother. That, that's, that would be his intention. But no, God comes and he brings life and hope and restoration. One of the many things I liked about the passage with David is he doesn't in any way come up with a defence. Now, many of you will know I used to be a policeman and I've heard all sorts of excuses for crime, hundreds of them. <laughs> okay, but Bathsheba, he could have said, for instance, well, Bathsheba, she actually wanted to be my wife. I'm the king, of course she wants to be my wife. She deliberately bathed within my sight because she knew I was a weak man and I wouldn't be able to stop myself. So it's not really my fault. You know, it was really her fault. He could have said that, couldn't he? Yeah? And many times we come up with excuses, excuses to justify our actions. But David, he took it on the chin. He accepted that he was completely at fault. There was no self-justification. There was no defence. There was no escape. He was guilty as charged before a holy God. Confession is what it says on the tin. I did it, it's my fault, I need forgiving. Scientific America magazine wrote an article, and I read it a couple of weeks ago and found it quite interesting. Some of their conclusions were that any type of open and truthful disclosure reduces stress and helps individuals to come to terms with their behaviour. Disclosure of your darkest secrets can benefit your mental and physical well-being the article states. But confession before a holy God is so much more than that. The sin, the wrongdoing, is completely removed. Our peace returns. Our confidence is clear. 
sorry, our conscience is clear. We are washed completely clean. We can move our lives forward. The delete button has been activated and we have a clean sheet. So are we living with unrepentant sin this morning? Satan loves to try and shipwreck our lives. Keeping things in the dark empowers him only. But getting sin out in the open takes his power completely away. God's forgiveness. David knew that God only could forgive him for his sin. And in verse 7 he says, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. He knew that. He knew that when God forgives us, it's gone forever. And God answered that prayer and he forgave David. But there was a heavy price for that, for that, for that story. I mean, it's sad. But, but the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. All of us, every single one of us, none of us, none of us are sin without sin. But it goes on to say, but there's some great news. And that is what I want you to pick up today. Because I want this to be a preach of grace and forgiveness, not condemnation. This is all about grace and forgiveness. The Bible says, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's not good news, is it? But the next bit is. And it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have eternal life when we confess our sins. He is a good, good God. God sent his son to die for us, to pay the price for our sin, to wash us clean, to make us whiter than snow. Jesus died, was buried, but rose again on the third day to pay the price for our sin and allow us access in, for faith in Jesus to our Heavenly Father. This is great news. For those people here this morning who don't know Jesus, haven't had their sins forgiven, haven't come to the cross, haven't confessed, haven't repented, I want to tell you something that is really important to me and to many people here this morning. I trust in Jesus, and I would say this about him. I follow him. He has healed me physically. He's healed me emotionally. He's watched over me all my life. He's led me. He's provided work for me. He's provided me with a loving wife, watched over my children for me, given me a life in abundance. He is the reason that I live. He is trustworthy and worthy of our praise. He is the only way to the Father. And if you want to know him today, please come forward and speak to the ministry team afterwards who would love to introduce you to Jesus. So are we dealing with sin in our lives? David sinned, as we all did, but he acknowledged this before the Father and then changed his ways. When I was, uh, many years ago, I was in the RAF police. At the age of 18, I joined the, the RAF. And uh, I'd become a Christian at 18, but at the age of 20, you would not have been able to see the difference in my life compared to my colleagues. I was swearing, I was drinking. My life was a mess in regards to my Christian faith. And the reason was I, was, I was in a world where I was on my own. I didn't know a single Christian. For two years, I'd struggled. I'd only been a Christian for six months when I joined the RAF, and there I was amongst people who didn't know Jesus, and it was difficult. 
And I decided one day that I was going to go to Greenbelt, which was a Christian festival. Many of you may, may have heard of that. And I was going to go there, and I was going to tell my, my friends that I didn't believe in Jesus anymore, that it was a load of rubbish. And I went along to Greenbelt, and as I was putting up my tent, I was in the tent, and God broke into my life. And he told me that I needed to change my life, that there was sin in my life, and I needed to confess it. And on my knees, when I, in 1980, I gave my life again to Jesus. I recommitted my life. I realized that I'd made some big, big mistakes. And I prayed to Jesus, and I said, I'm going to give you my life. I know that I've sinned. I know I've, I've done so many wrong things, and I'm going to repent now, and I'm going to walk this way. But I'm going to ask you, Jesus, please, please, please provide me with Christians around me who can nurture me. I need help. I need help. Two weeks later, and I knew this was happening, two weeks later I was posted to Germany. And um, on arrival... Um, on arrival, on my very first day, I was introduced to a guy called, well, his nickname was Sparky. I've, I've spoken about Sparky before. Sparky was an amazing Christian man. And um, as a result of meeting Sparky and seven other Christians on an on a, on a airbase of 3,000 people, there were seven Christians, all of which were amazing men of God, five of which are now in the ministry. That's how powerful it was. And Sparky introduced me to these guys had a major, a major impact on my life. And um, no, that's how God works, guys. He doesn't just leave us on our own and say, just get on with it. Actually, he comes in and he breaks in and he helps us along that journey. He provides solutions to our issues, and that's what he does. And I'm still in contact with Sparky. He's now, um, he's now in, the, in the army. He joined the army as a padre, like a minister, and now he's serving in the paratroopers. He's an amazing guy, an amazing guy. So forgiving ourselves, this is another big one. And I think really, this is a really big one, actually. When we pray to God for our forgiveness, he forgives. This is a, he, but we must also forgive ourselves. A lot of us go, yeah, God's forgiven me. But then we're looking back over our shoulders of the things that we've done wrong. And that is not right, guys. We're called to forgive one another, and this includes forgiving ourselves. Purify me from my sins, David says, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. We need to forgive ourselves the same way that God forgives us. That's important. We can be our worst critics. So what are some of the effects of unrepentant sin in our lives? Well, in the, in the scripture we've just read, he loses his, uh, David uses his joy of his salvation. He loses his desire to praise God. And there are other things that we can talk about. So if we are forgiven, if we are Christians, but we carry on sinning, what does that mean? What, how does that affect us in our Christian walk? And I want to just give you like a picture, which I, I find really helpful. So you're in a freezing cold room. And you walk it around and you're freezing cold. But outside is, is a clear day. The sun's out. And you go and you stand next to the window. It's a French, big one of these big windows. So you get a full, the full sun. And as you stand, the, sun, the warmth of the sun comes through the window. For, window. It, multi, it magnifies it, the heat, and you start feeling warm. But you then close the curtain. Does the sun stop shining? No, it doesn't. But something has come across and is broken the effects of the sun's heat on us. And that is like sin in our lives. It comes and it's a barrier between us and the Father. And God does not want that barrier. He wants, he wants all of us 
Love the Lord, the God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Not a little bit. It didn't say love the Lord, our God, a little bit. You know, it doesn't say that, does it? It says all of us. He wants all of us. Psalm 84 says in verse, Psalm 84 says in verse 11, For the Lord is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what is right. So let's, con- let's choose to confess our sin and change our mind and enjoy all that God the Father has for us. He is the ultimate loving Father, the amazing good shepherd. He promises to be all we need, to bring us rest, to lead us by peaceful waters, to renew our strength, to guide us along the right paths, to be with us, to walk alongside us, even when life gets hard. And I know there's a few people here this morning, life is hard for you at the moment. But Jesus says that he will walk alongside us. He is the good shepherd. He promises to protect us and comfort us and to anoint us with his Holy Spirit. You see, he doesn't just stand far away. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. He lives in us. And he promises, promises to bless us in abundance. His love will follow us, his unconditional love, all the days of our lives. What a God we follow. God wants to have a close relationship with us. We were designed for the very beginning to have a relationship with him. That's what he wanted. It was us who broke that, not him. Okay, so what does it look like for you and me on a daily basis? What does it look like when the rubber hits the road? David understood the need to confess his sin, his wrongdoing before God. When we sin, when we do something that is wrong before our God, we need to confess it quickly. We don't need to dwell on it. We need to just get it straight away, give it over to God, confess it. We need to understand that Jesus paid the price for all mankind's sins once and for all on the cross and that we have access through Jesus, to have our sins completely erased. Unrepentant sin will hold us back, and there will be a cost if we don't (laughs) repent and change our minds. There was a cost for me with my mum, and now that's been restored. We are the body of Christ, and we are called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. It's not a word you hear very often, is it? It's all about us. Actually, we're called to hand ourselves over, and it's all about him. It's a massive difference, isn't it? The Holy Spirit has been sent to help us. As I've said, we're not on our own in this. So let's listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. And he does speak. He really does speak. We've just got to find time to listen to him. Let's read God's word, the Bible, and ask God to speak to us through what we read as well. Let's ask ourselves some big questions and be honest with ourselves. How are we doing with cynicism? for instance, in our lives. So I can give you an example of this, how it held me back. I was at a service many years ago. I had a pain in my shoulder. I'd been for prayer on many occasions, hadn't been healed. And I had sat there listening to this preach and my back of my shoulder was caning. And I just said to God, if, if somebody has a word of knowledge, and a word of knowledge is when God speaks through somebody and reveals a truth, reveals a situation. If someone has a word of knowledge, I will respond to it. I will give it another go. And lo and behold, a guy got up at the end of the service and said, God wants to, there's somebody here amongst the congregation who's got a pain right here on his shoulder. 
and God wants to speak to them. Come forward at the end of the, uh, end of the service and I will pray with you. Well, I went forward. I responded because I promised God that I would do that. I didn't want to. I was a policeman. I was cynical. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and I went forward and um, this guy prayed for me. He didn't even touch me. It was, a, it was an amazing thing when God broke him powerfully. It affected my, brought healing to my shoulder and he brought emotional healing to me right there in that church service. And it was such a situation that I will never forget it for the rest of my life. But it took me to step out of my cynicism and walk into the truth. Okay. Pride and arrogance. How are we doing with that one, guys? God calls us to be humble like Jesus, who though being being God on earth, washed the feet of his disciples. Such humidity. That's what we're called to be. We're not called to be, I'm at the front of the stage. I don't give a monkey's whether I'm up here at the moment. What I care about is if my heart is right before God. It really is. That is it. I don't give a monkey's about this. It's about this. It really is. We've got to be right before God. Pride and arrogance. Put it away. It's, it's rubbish. We don't need it. Setbacks and disappointments. Are we trusting that all things God work, in all things God works together, together for good for those who love him? That came up, didn't it? Brian brought that. It's amazing. Wash clean whiter than snow over there, Sharon, and the other bit by Brian. The Holy Spirit is amazing. Absolutely amazing how he brings these things back. So setbacks and disappointments. Are we trusting God that he works things, all things together for good for those who love him? Sexual immorality and immorality of all sorts of kinds. How are we doing with that? It's a big thing, guys. That comes in and it breaks our relationship. It really does. Let's get rid of it. Bin it. Chuck it. We don't need it. Jealousy and selfish ambition. Are we jealous of someone who's been promoted over us? Whatever it is, bin it, chuck it, it's rubbish, we don't need it. <laughs> honesty and integrity. Let's be honest. And the police, you said, honesty is non-negotiable. I absolutely believe that. We need to be honest in all that we do and say. Let's be honest up front, but do it with love and grace. Gossip and slander is another biggie. Let's get rid of that one as well, guys. So let's take time out this week to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us and highlight the areas that he wants to break in. You may well have already got that. It may already be happening. Write them down on a piece of paper. If you want, you can chat with somebody you trust, but choose that person well. Choose that person well. It says in the Bible that the ministry of others is valuable as iron sharpens iron. It's so true, guys. We need to be honest with our friends. We need to get along to our friends. We need to chat with people who are on a, maybe further along on the walk than us to get some real good spiritual guidance. Okay, so let's make sure that we identify sin in our lives and quickly move to confess it before God. And to finish off, I just want to remind you what God says about himself before we move into communion. He says this about himself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. That's the God we follow. Father, we just thank you that you are an amazing God. We just thank you, Father, that you love even the small details of our lives. You know all about us. You know everything that's happened in our lives. And you want to have a full relationship with us. You want all of us, every part of us. Father, I just pray this morning as, as these words are spoken as we move into communion that you would touch people's hearts, that you would reveal areas in their lives that they need to bring before you. Father, I just pray that you do that. Holy Spirit will do your work right here, right now. 
Touch people's heart, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.